Hey, Glenn from Form 55 here. Welcome to episode 5 of our podcast, in which I talk to the people behind the most interesting projects, products and ideas to find out more about the creative process behind them. Today I'm talking to graphic designer Dave Sedgwick of Studio DVD in Manchester on his latest project 30 by 30 for Foil Co. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you very much. Cheers. So how about we kick things off and you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. That's always an easy intro. Sure. My name's Dave Sedgwick. I'm a designer working in Manchester. I have a small studio called Studio DBD, small practice. Um, I've been working under the name of Studio DBD since 2011. Previous to that, I worked for a variety of different design um, studios in Manchester. Uh, and I work with a variety of clients, really, both large and small. I work with small startups, such as cafes, bars, restaurants, that kind of thing, to some slightly larger clients, uh, larger breweries and ticket companies, such as Skiddle. I also organize design events, seminars, lectures, exhibitions, um, and I also do a little bit of teaching as well at university. So I, I teach at Huddersfield, where I've been for, for the last four years, and a little bit of work with my old university, which is Manchester School of Art. So today we're going to talk about 30 by 30, which I'm sure some of our readers will have already seen, and we'll share lots of pictures in the article that goes with this episode. But tell us a little bit about... 30 by 30, who the project is for what, and what the brief was. Sure. Well, 30 by 30 is a project that I created for my client, Foilco. I've been working with Foilco for a couple of years, really. We started working with them in 2016 on an event that they run called Multiplicity. Now, Multiplicity is um, a series of talks that Foilco arrange uh, around the country. So we started in Glasgow back in 2016, and we also uh, visited Leeds and Brighton. And we're currently planning our next event in Manchester on November the 9th. So we've kind of that will be our fourth Multiplicity event. So I've been working with those guys for a while, both on the branding and design of the events, but also organizing the speakers and helping with the, the logistics of putting a design event on. They asked me um, probably about a year ago if I would be interested in creating some posters for them, uh, a series of posters for to be exhibited at LuxPack, which is kind of a packaging and innovations exhibition that's held in Monaco in October. They have had that done in the past by a couple of design studios, and it's sort of something that they just always seem, seem to want to do, just design some posters. So I sort of said yes, of course, because who doesn't like designing posters? And um, I, I, I went away and, and sort of sat on it for a while, really. I, di I didn't really know what to do. I mean, it was one of those, those typical difficult client briefs, which was, you know, do whatever you want as long as you use our foils and, and sort of promote and showcase our foil. But I was finding it really hard without a brief as such, without any, any kind of um, direction or constraints. I think that's always difficult as a, as a graphic designer. I'm used to sort of a, a specific brief. So I, I really was, was struggling to think of exactly what to do. And, and I, I started to talk to them about why they always did posters. And it was like the age old answer was like, well, that's just what we've always done. So we're just going to, we just want to do that again. And I said, well, you know, Posters are great, you know, as a designer, obviously as a medium, they're a fantastic kind of, uh, you know, thing to design. I absolutely love them. But I also have lots and lots of them rolled up in tubes, in brown sort of cardboard tubes behind my desk at work or in my house. So, you know, <laughs> if they pay 
and a tremendous amount of money to produce these posters in foil and then they get rolled up and hidden hidden behind desks it's kind of it's defeating its object i hear you so we talked a little bit more and i chat sort of trying to understand what what they wanted to achieve and the main thing that foilco wanted to achieve was they wanted to showcase their products to the creative agencies the creative industries i should say um and and i i said well if you're if you're sort of like wanting to talk to creatives, then we need to produce something that creatives will be interested in. So, ironically, it was the 30th anniversary this year that they started the company in 1987. So they were already talking about doing something quite special to celebrate being 30, 30 years old. So it, it felt like all the stars suddenly became aligned, and I was able to say, well, actually, how about we do something a little bit different? And, and we started to talk about creating a book, a hardback book limited edition that would ask advice from creatives on what they would do or what they would tell themselves if they went back to when they started their career 30 years ago, a bit like Foilco. So, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, what would they, what advice would they have told themselves? And I was fortunate that I, a couple of years ago, I'd been asked to do a talk um, for um, an event in Manchester called Manchester in Mind, which was highlighting uh, mental health in the creative industry. And I, I did my talk, I showcased some work and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I also asked a variety of high profile creatives and designers in the world. I sent them emails and I said, would you, you, know, would you guys be interested in helping me uh, put together some, some material for this talk? In particular, you know, how do you keep a healthy mind whilst you're being a creative. And I got back some really interesting answers from a variety of people. Um, and, I, and, I, and I showcased them in the talk and everybody absolutely, absolutely loved them. But they never really did anything. They just, they, they were part of the talk and that was it. No one ever really got to see them apart from that. So I started to talk to Foilco about potentially reusing them in the book. But I thought, well, actually, you know, let's go back and ask a new question. Let's talk about 30 years. Let's try and tie it into the 30, 30 years thing a little bit more. So as I say, I, I already had some of the contacts from the, the Manchester in Mind talk. So I approached some of those guys, uh, got got a kind of initial few answers. Um, and, 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 and it started to kind of roll in from there, Glenn, really. I started to get, once I got one or two answers back, they kind of, you know, more and more people were interested in taking part in the book. So, so the aim of the book really was to to cement Foilco as the kind of go-to guys for foil. So a little bit like the paper industry where we would specify a job. If we're doing a piece of print, we'd like to specify it on a certain type of paper. Um, what Foilco want is they don't want people to specify a foil just to the printer, just to say to a printer, I want a black foil or a copper foil or a gold foil. They want the designers to specify a specific foil from Foilco. Um, and to treat foil in the same way that we treat every other element of print, so from the sort of uh, the, the material to the binding to the size, to consider every single element, not just to think of foil as the last the last thing in the in the in the chain. And the best way to do that, I think, is to start to get Foilco immersed in the creative industry more. So we do that via multiplicity, the design events, and this book is a is a kind of, I suppose, the cherry on the cake in terms of how do we get Foilco into people, into the creative industry's minds. Um, so it was a fantastic project. And the whole idea, as I say, was to just really make people think of Foilco when they start thinking about putting foil on a, on a, on a piece of print. I think you, you definitely got that right. Yeah, um, thank you. I, I think it's a brilliant project, <laughs> especially to get people talking about it, talking about the project itself and inadvertently the company behind it. Sure. So what was it like 
to work with <laughs> 30 different creatives on this project? I suppose in a word, difficult. Um, and, and not because, you know, I'm obviously extremely grateful to everybody who supplied their, um, their words of wisdom, uh, you know, and answered the question. You know, without the, the, the kind of 30 creatives, the book obviously wouldn't happen. Uh, originally, uh, when we started talking about a book, one of the ideas I had was to just create a timeline uh, for Foyoko, a kind of 1987 to 2017, you know, what they've done over the years. And we did sort yeah. of kick that idea around a little bit. And, and to be honest, we all agreed that it would probably be a little bit boring. Um, so when the idea of bringing creatives into the book and actually asking creatives some questions, if it's a book for creatives, why not use creatives to create the, the create the material? You know, without those guys, you know, the book the book would just be, you know, just like a, as, it, as, as Matt, one of the directors of the company says in his introduction, it would just be a fancy very expensive notebook with blank pages so i'm very grateful but of course it's very difficult i mean the first the first thing to do is to try to to get as many people involved as possible and i'm fortunate over the last few years i've, I've made a few connections through projects and things that i've done so i knew i had a sort of short list of, of between kind of seven and, and and ten uh potential people that i could that i could ask to sort of take part and i think it's really good if you've got those initial people involved then when then when you go to you know you're sort of the, the beyond 10 and you're into 15 and 20 and 25 you can say well you know these people are already you know taking part in the book and and most designers once they know there's some sort of like, let's say big names involved they all want you know people want to be part of it and they see the potential of the project and of course, I wasn't asking asking too much. I mean, a simple question, and I, I said to the designers uh, and the creatives, I asked, feel free to keep it short and sweet. Don't feel you need to elaborate too much. If you if you want to answer it in a sentence or a couple of words, that's fine. If you want to write a few paragraphs, that's absolutely fine as well. So don't you know? Don't feel this is a project you need to sort of uh, book into the studio and spend hours thinking about. You could just what's the first thing that comes into your mind when I ask you? You know, what advice would you give to your younger self? And it was interesting as well, getting lots of different advice from lots of different people and and and, and that kind of thing. So you know, it was that was that was really good. Did you intentionally try and find like a variety of um, disciplines and age groups, and or did you just kind of go through your your notebook of who would you like to see uh, in in the list? That's a good question. I think initially I I probably thought well I, I I'm quite sort of I'd say you know good friends with people like Anthony Burrow and, and Michael Place, the guys at Hay Studio um, and Lo Siento in Barcelona. So I, I had a few names I thought. I'm going to ask these guys because hopefully they'll, you know, they'll they'll be happy to help me out. And then yeah. once the list started to kind of formulate, I, I realised I would, I really wanted to try and get some advice from, as you say, a variety of disciplines. So people like Malika Favre, an illustrator, as opposed to, um, you know, a, a design studio like Heydays. Um, mm -hmm. And real contrast in terms of, you know, is the advice the same whether you're a designer or an illustrator? Um, I also wanted to make sure that I got a, 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 a decent age range as well of designers and creatives because one of the other, one of the ideas I had at the start was to ask the the creative industries what 
advice would they give themselves if they could go back 30 years, <laughs> the same as Foyko? And it, it slowly dawned on me that maybe a lot of these people might not have been born 30 years ago. So I had to kind of tweak the question slightly and realise that I had to ask a more abstract question yeah. that would kind of hopefully gain, uh, you know, more interesting answers. You know, and, and I wanted to also make sure there was a, a range of, you know, male and female, young and old, different disciplines and different parts of the world. So I'm really grateful that we've got people from the UK. We've got people from America, Australia, Europe, uh, Asia. And, and it's and it's really it's a it's a wide range of, of answers from across the across the globe. And I think that that says that in the words and advice that they get given as well. It kind of comes across in the advice in terms of what it was like working. I mean, I obviously got ignored by a few people, <laughs> um, not naming any names. But uh, Cy Scott, if you're listening, I'm still waiting for, for your answer. Um Cy Scott's, uh, he's a friend of mine. I mean, he said to me, you know, I'm definitely going to do it, Dave. You know, give me, give me some time. You know, and, and you, it's difficult. You don't know how much to chase somebody. We're all busy and it's hard. You, you're asking for help. You're asking for advice. You're asking for support. Yeah. And you don't want to pester. And you don't want, you know, you don't want to kind of force people to feel like they've got to take part in the project. Of course. So, you know, once you've sent the first email, if you don't get a reply in a few days, I tend to kind of follow it up with another email. Um, I'd probably try, I think, three times before I thought this is getting a little bit desperate. I need to kind of move on and, and find somebody else. Um, I also had a bit of difficulty because a few of the creators <laughs> actually wanted to design the page themselves. So they were happy to take part in it. But I know uh, Ike, Ike Koenig at Hort in Berlin, he, he was like, this is a great project, but, you know, you know, can we design, can we design it? And I, you know, that would have been amazing, but I think logistically it would have been really difficult. Some would have wanted to do it. Some might not. Some would have taken weeks and months to do it. Some would have done it really quickly. So I had to sort of say, look, we really want you to take part in it, Ica. However, you know, do you mind if, uh, if little, little old me designs your great words of wisdom instead of you? So, uh, hopefully he's, hopefully he's happy with it, to be honest. Can you, I guess it's like, picking your favorite child, but can you give us maybe a couple or one of your most memorable pieces of advice that you received? It's really, like you just said, it is really hard to, to kind of choose a favorite, a favorite quote. I think originally when the answers started to come back to me gradually over the course of a few weeks, I was really interested by some of the shorter ones, probably from a design yeah. point of view, you know, from a design perspective, knowing that some of the shorter answers I could be a, have a bit more fun typographically with. Because obviously the book itself, um, I wanted each page to to kind of um, to have that personality of the of the contributor and the words that they're saying. So I didn't want to to have a set of a really sort of um, formulate grid system that was extremely rigid. I wanted it to be quite flexible in terms of how the the typography sat on the page. So when I got some of the shorter answers um, from people like uh, Morag Maisko, who just said, "Love what you do." You know, that was great because I was like, right, I can see how I can make that work on the page. But then some of the long ones are really poignant as well. People like Daniel Ayuso, uh, Clace and uh, Anthony Burrell, uh, you know, both gave me some really long answers. And that and that was really nice as well to read them. And they really took the time to think about what they, what they were saying. It's also quite interesting how some of the older creatives, or I'm sure they won't want to be called that, <laughs> some of the more mature creatives, are quite, they're quite poignant about family and taking time out and yeah. having a break and realising that graphic design is, is sort of not, is not really going to save you. Uh, I think Michael yeah. Place says that in his list, his kind of life list um, that he put together for me. You know, you know, take time out, spend more time with your family, your parents, you know, 
don't just put everything into design. Uh, in fact, Michael emailed me a couple of days ago to say, to, to thank me really for asking him to take part in the book because it, it, he's almost created his own life manifesto and he sort of tries to stick to it now um, in terms of, you know, not only did he contribute to the book, but he's, I think he's printed it out and he's got it on his wall and he keeps trying to make sure that he does exactly what he said his advice would have been. Um, and I think, you know, the younger generation, that they're probably more talking about the work and design side of things. I've got a couple yeah. of illustrators in there who have only really been working in the design industry for maybe two to three years. Um, and, and they're sort of saying, well, you know, it's more about the, the, the design side or more about the creative side. I really like Heyday's response, which is uh, relax, it's only work, which I think we should all try, <laughs> try to remember a little bit more. And I like the humour in there as well. Um, you know, the guys at Bunch, Dennis at Bunch said, you know, just his advice would have been to buy more gold or to buy gold. Um, or Tim Beard from Bibliotech said, you know, 30 years ago, I would have just told myself to sort of sort my look out. He obviously feels a bit embarrassed about what he, what he looked like 30 years ago. So a real collection of different answers from different people. And that's what makes the book really special, I think. Going back to the original brief of, hey, how about we create some posters to commemorate 30 years? I mean, I think a lot of people often are faced with, this is the brief, and you cleverly, or uh, how did you how did you convince the client to move in a different direction? Do you think it was just because it was a great idea and they agreed with you, or was it? Did you have to, you know, work to convince them? Oh no, I certainly had to work really hard to convince them, and they initially were not keen on the idea at all. To be honest, okay. they, they 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 really wanted to do the posters, um, and and they couldn't see the potential of the book. At all, um, as I say, the first idea was to do the timeline, and mm. um, or my first idea was to do a timeline book. You know, a kind of you know historical kind of collection of, of pictures and, and words about Foilco, and and they and myself realised quite quickly that it just wasn't going to be enough interest for people. So they kept going back to the to the posters. I remember a memorable meeting in the boardroom where they just kept saying, "We're not doing a book. We're not doing a book." And I was like a dog with a bone. I was just like, "Look, it's a really good idea. You know, bear with me." And and I I think it's a creative's job to try to push a client and to. You know, you could say, well, look, I can do these posters for you. However, you know, let's ask why we're doing it. Let's ask what the purpose of the posters are. Let's ask about the longevity of the project. So the posters are great, you know, for looks pack to put on the wall, to frame them. They look shiny and nice and bright and people are attracted to them. But once the posters come down, as I say, the chance are, chances are that people may not see them again. Um, whereas a book, I know a book can go on a bookshelf, but... If you're anything like me, I'm often taking books off the bookshelf, books I haven't seen for a while. I just feel that books have more longevity. They have more long-term use. My problem was I just wasn't sure what to design for the posters. They didn't really give me a brief. They didn't say the theme is, um, you know, such and such a thing. They just said, we want some posters. Uh, and I just found that extremely hard. I think, you know, if you're an illustrator, maybe you're an artist or, or you kind of work in that way, then you can use your style to create free, beautiful posters. But I'm a graphic designer, so I tend to answer briefs in a style dependent on the, on the project. So I, I just found it really, really hard. 
And I also realized that, you know, this was 30 years for Foil Co. And in the printing and, and paper and foiling industry, that's that's a really long time to still be going and still be kind of, you know, making a living from what you do. And I think it was important for those guys to celebrate turning 30 in a relevant and poignant way and to take stock over the last 30 years and to look back a little bit and think, well, actually, where have we been over the last 30 years and where are we going? And a book just felt like the right project. So I, I suppose it's cliche. But I worked with them. I spoke to them. I kept them involved in all conversations. I met with them. I didn't just I didn't just send them a few emails. I constantly drove over to see them. It's you know it's only thirty minutes away, and I just kept them involved in the project. Kept talking to them about it. Kept them informed. As I say, they really weren't keen initially, um, but started to slowly come round, and now they're really really happy with the project. I was going to ask, are they are they happy with the final outcome? Well, I hope they say they are. I hope they are. I think they are. I mean, they, at the end of the day, they're they're so happy with it that whilst the book was in production, we realised that from a budget point of view, we weren't going to be able to produce a tremendous amount of these books. I think initially we were thinking around about five hundred. We were able to stretch to seven fifty. So it, it really is limited edition. Um, and it's a shame because it is such a beautiful book, and it's a shame that we've only we've only done seven hundred fifty. But the cost um, of producing the book was 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 quite high, and we were really grateful to GF Smith Papers to provide in the paper and for Precision, the printers in Leeds, for helping out with with the project. But of course, you know these things still cost money, so we we knew we could only do seven hundred fifty. However. I sort of, once my convincing got to a level that they were just listening to everything, I was able to say, well, hey, why don't we do a set of postcards as well? So not only have we done 750 books, but we've done 500 sets of 10 postcards. We've picked sort of 10 of our kind of favorite quotes um, and we have produced those. Of course, on the back of the quotes is an example of foil. Uh, I've designed um, a series of, of numbers, uh, number 30s. Um, to kind of commemorate their birthday. Um, these are these are using different foiling techniques. So, of course, you can just put a standard foil down. You can overlay foils. You can use different textures um, to create foil foiling techniques. So all the postcards and the book showcase that as well. And finally, I was able to convince them that it would be a great idea to do a website as well. <laughs> you know, so they, they sort of listened for a while. And, and I said, well, you know, 750 people will see the book. 500 people will see the postcards, but thousands upon thousands of people may get the chance to see the website. And the website features all the quotes exactly as they look like in the book, but on the desktop, they're animated as well, which is which is great. And that 30 by 30, 30 x30 by foilco.com is the website address. And yeah, anybody can go on there. And, and, and if you haven't had a chance to see the book, then you can read some of the, the, the words from the creatives on on there. So it was a difficult one, Glenn, really. But I think if everything was really easy, then it would be quite boring. And I think that, you know, in the end, the fact that I had to, you know, had to convince the client or to discuss with the client and to persuade the client, I think the finished piece shows that. I think if it had just come easy, maybe it, it just wouldn't have had the same level of, of quality that, that the finished outcome has. Yeah, I'm sure you're right about that. So let me ask you that if you were able to go back to the beginning of this project uh, and you'd be able to tell yourself, uh, give yourself some advice, what would you what would you have learned? What have you learned on this? Project? Well, I, I want to be I suppose to be honest, really, one of the biggest mistakes that I probably made. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a designer. My, my, my 
world is is creating graphic design. I, I don't feel like a businessman or, or, or like a business, and I think that's my a lot of mistakes I make in my career in general. Because probably the biggest mistake I made was that they had a budget in mind to create free posters and at no point did I ever ask for any more any more money <laughs> so they got a tremendous amount more work uh, from from me for the same budget as it would have been to do free posters and, and it certainly would have been a lot easier I think to do free posters than to produce That's this right. book so I think one big mistake was kind of sticking to the original budget and never and never mentioning mentioning money um I think to be fair to Foilco, though, um, they after sort of convincing them to do the project, they've been really good at allowing me um, creative freedom on the project. So, of course, it's for Foilco. That's first and foremost what the book's for. But it is an extension of, of me in terms of, uh, you know, the, the work that's in the book, my style, the things that I like, the production levels and, and, and the print and the website. And I think that, for me, uh, money's important. Of course it is. We have to we have to put food on the table. But um, I am grateful to Foilco for allowing me to, to produce something that I really, really like and I wanted to do. I think like any job, I probably, you know, could learn to plan more, <laughs> plan properly, <laughs> um, be prepared for people not replying and not replying on time. I think when you're waiting on 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 the answers from from a number of people it can be it can be quite difficult and I think I probably should have had a bit of a backup plan on that. And I think like like all of us, procrastination is is a problem. I, I think I probably on each page, I, I I probably did four or five options on the design or the layout for each page, and was finding it quite hard because this book I knew was going to be going out to designers. I think when you're designing for designers, it's really hard. Um, you know that people are going to scrutinise every single bit of kerning or leading or typeface choice or, or whatever. So I had to try um, and put that to the back of my mind a little bit. And to try and think about what would I like to receive if I was getting this book and just focus on that really and what the Foilco want out of it. Um, and so, yeah, stop procrastinating, just get on with it. That's my advice to myself if I could go back. Well, if it's any help at all, I think you've done an amazing job on the project. It looks incredible. Thank I'm you. sure you're very proud of the final outcome, even though uh, it might have been more work than you expected. It definitely mm. looks the part. Thank you. I guess to finish us off, you could tell us what's next, like what 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 you what you're working on now. Anything exciting? Yeah, I'm working on quite a few exciting projects. I'm working on a, a branding a branding job for a Scandinavian brewery that's opening in um, in a few months, just on Oxford Road in Manchester. Putting the finishing touches to some identity work for a music festival that's taking place next year in Lancaster. And also an exhibition on female contemporary Chinese art, which is going to be happening across the UK in various sites across the UK uh, in February next year. So I've just created the, the brand identity for that and working with uh, the Chinese Art Centre in the city to kind of put that on. So some really, really good projects and also carrying on doing the teaching and yeah, just carrying on pestering people to get things done, which is uh, the motto, a motto for life, really just pester people and you get you get somewhere. So yeah, keeping busy, to be honest. Yeah, you're a busy man, Dave. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me today. No problem. Thanks for asking me. To find out more about Dave and his work, 
see loads of images of the 30 by 30 project and read a full transcript of this interview, go to form55.com. The music on this episode is by a musical duo from Melbourne, Australia called Backpack Forward Punch. You can listen to the whole track on our website. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. And if you like the podcast, recommend it to one of your friends. And uh, yeah, give us some feedback if you've been enjoying the series. Five so far, ten was our goal. So yeah, until next time. Mm-hmm.